edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that believes history is repeating itself right in front of our eyes. Hello, everyone. I am your host, Andrew Halcrow. With me, as always, is my main man, Van Sanders. Van, how are you this fine episode? I'm doing just fine, man. I, um, I'm i kind of excited about the book review this episode. It kind of falls in my wheelhouse yet again. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, though. The dude is going to be out for our entertainment segment. Always looking forward to it. And as always, would like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the views of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, in politics, as the state pushes closer to a government shutdown, it's becoming harder to imagine that Governor Mike Dunleavy will seek re-election. In entertainment, Van and I will review a great book for all of you Big Lebowski fans. And finally, some closing thoughts on partisan blindness in Mayor-elect Dave Bronson's initial homeless proposal. So let's kick it all off. Let's talk some politics. Politics. And now, for some politics. For most Alaska political watchers, the last week has been incredibly jarring, even from Alaska politics standards. The governor has encouraged a state government shutdown that will throw 8% of Alaska's workforce out of a job. He sues the legislature, and then he walks back a major promise. Even after pleas from Alaska's largest industry organizations, Governor Dunleavy appears to be indifferent. Ladies and gentlemen, this has gotten cray-cray in a bad way. To sum up this moment in time, State Senator Natasha Von Imhoff tweeted earlier this week, quote, Governor Dunleavy not doing everything in his power to keep his own government operational is like having an atheistic pope. So, where does that leave us? In order to put this into context, we need, yeah, you know what I'm about to say, we need a history lesson! Yo, Van, do your thing! A history lesson. In 2009, Sarah Palin entered her third year as the governor of the state of Alaska. Her approval ratings had plummeted from 80% in 2007 to less than 50% in 2009. It was during that spring that it started to become clear to me that she would not seek re-election. In April 2009, on my former blog, I wrote a column that outlined the reasons why I didn't think Palin would run for re-election. First and foremost, she experienced a way of life none of us will ever know. And let's face it, once you've flown on a private jet across the country, it sucks going back to flying economy to Juneau. But there were major signals in her last year, and many are eerily similar to Governor Dunleavy's current situation. To begin with, Palin was never really interested in governing. So when things got tough towards the end, she just checked out. She fought constantly with the legislature, even with members of her own party. She lost interest in the job, even leaving town when her attorney general nomination was rejected in a historical vote. And when she recognized her major campaign promise was failing, which was Aegea, she became more defensive and churlish. 
By April 2009, it was clear to me that Governor Palin had no desire to sign up for another four years. And of course, she resigned two months later, which nobody saw coming. Today, I would argue Governor Mike Dunleavy is in the same space. He's begun attacking lawmakers, including members of his own party. He lost interest, even leaving town during the last days of session last month. And he's realizing his major campaign promise is failing, so he's becoming more defensive and more churlish. Both Palin and Dunleavy were swept into office riding a wave of populist promises. Promises about their keen ability to make state government bend to their will. Palin tried to force the private sector to build a gas line it couldn't afford. And Dunleavy is trying to force the state treasury to pay a dividend it can't afford. Like Palin, Dunleavy has come to realize that hard work is what governing is. It takes a willingness to work across the aisle, which Dunleavy does not possess. It takes a leader who is willing to stand up and make tough decisions, which Dunleavy is not. And just like Palin, it's always been evident that Dunleavy was never interested in governing. And it's becoming more and more evident that he sees no brighter days ahead and won't seek re-election. Now, I may very well be wrong. But there is nothing that Dunleavy has done in the last six weeks that says he's interested in another four years. There is nothing Dunleavy has done to even remotely signal that he wants to be responsible for the state of this state anytime in the near future. It's my opinion that Governor Mike Dunleavy sees the writing on the wall. He has failed in almost every intellectual and moral category of governance. He has alienated almost every region in Alaska. He has picked fights he knows he can't win, but just to inflict damage. It's my opinion he's not running. Oh yeah, he might head fake that he's running so as not to lose what little influence he has by being a lame duck. But I gather from his increasingly bizarre and destructive behavior, just like Palin in 2009, he will not seek re-election. Now, hopefully, those who are considering running to be Alaska's next governor will begin to emerge and show Alaskans what a true leader with integrity and vision looks like. And now, entertainment. Entertainment. All right, let's talk some entertainment. Today, Van and I offer you a dual book review on a great piece of reading, especially for you Big Lebowski fans. Some time ago, Jeff Bridges, who of course played Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski in The Big Lebowski, was talking to a friend of his, a Zen master named Bernie Glassman. And Bernie says to him, did you know that the dude in The Big Lebowski is considered by many Buddhists to be a Zen master? It's filled with Zen stories like the dude abides or the dude is not in, or that rug really tied the room together. This exchange between Bridges and Glassman set the stage for five days at Bridges Ranch in Montana, where his entire dialogue with Glassman was recorded. During those five days, they talked in depth about the dude, his character, and how his hug-it-out-don't-slug-it-out philosophy was so zen-like. The book is called The Dude and the Zen Master, written by Jeff Bridges and Bernie Glassman. It checks in at 171 pages and is a fun and enlightening peek into the conversation between Bridges and Glassman. I picked up this book on a recommendation from Van and loved the book. Personally, I was never a big Lebowski fan, but this book is really for everyone. Van, what are your thoughts on the dude in the Zen Master? First off, um, I had no idea that you were not big on the big Lebowski. That just floored me. Um, But the book, actually, I loved it. I thought it was great because... It's conversational. The When you read it, it's not some... Uh, I mean, you know, previously we talked about the miracle of mindfulness, 
and how it's really approachable. This book is even more approachable because it's literally, like you mentioned, just a conversation between these two people. And um, it, it follows like you're, you're listening to a conversation. So anyway, um, it's a super enjoyable book. And they come at thoughts on Zen and being present in a super chill, kind of American hippie, very fun way. So anyway, it's a great book. And uh, it goes by real quick. It's not like some dense, heavy thing to read. Now for some closing thoughts. On the last podcast, I spoke about how I thought Mayor-elect Dave Bronson was on the right track with his initial proposal to address the homelessness situation in Anchorage. Unfortunately, I received some immediate pushback from critics who asked, is Andrew Halcrow serious with this nonsense? Yes, I am serious. Please allow me to continue. Here were my exact words in supporting Mayor-elect Bronson's initial proposal. Quote, as with everything, the devil is in the details. The size of the facility, the cost of construction, the cost of operation and maintenance all need to be determined. Now, so we all understand exactly what the devil is in the details means. Van, will you please give us the definition? The devil is in the details is an idiom and means to allude to a catch or mysterious element hidden in the details. Something might seem simple at first look, but will take more time and effort to complete than expected. To put this into proper context, a homeless shelter might initially be proposed for 400 people, but the devil in the detail might be that 200 is the proper amount given all relevant research. Or, for instance, while a single site might be proposed. The devil in the detail might mean a few smaller sites would be better. Thank you, Van. However, critics don't see that because they don't want to see it. Instead of seeing what a big first step this is for the mayor-elect, they're too busy being outraged at an initial proposal. Listen to me. Mayor-elect Bronson got elected promising to cut every department's budget other than public safety. And his campaign rhetoric on addressing the homeless issue leaned more towards enforcement than empathy. Now, he has come 180 degrees he has come forward with a proposal that is an admission that this problem won't get better without government investment. So that means in less than six weeks, the mayor-elect has moved from we're cutting the budget and going to arrest vagrants to this problem isn't going to get any better without government investment in a more comprehensive approach. That is a huge step. His recognition that this problem will not get better without the city beginning to invest in providing infrastructure is a huge step. You can't step back from that. One of the most important lines of the entire mayoral race came from Bill Falsey, the former city manager, who said repeatedly, the city spends little on the homeless problem. So here's the mayor-elect saying that we need to start spending more. This is the last thing you'd expect from a mayor who campaigned with more stick than carrot. But partisans are too blind to even appreciate the step in the right direction. Too blind to realize that this, like any proposal, is a starting point. Maybe the best capacity is 200. Maybe the best plan is to have three individual shelters instead of one. Maybe the best plan is to find a different site. Maybe a hybrid of housing first. Whatever. But there is a plan on the table for government to invest in a problem they should have begun investing in a long time ago from someone we least expected. 
This is how progress starts, an idea that is crafted into a better idea. This is where the role of the assembly and the public come into the equation. This is the part where feedback shapes the initial proposal into an acceptable public policy. This is how you solve problems. The mayor-elect has recognized that the size of the problem will require a bolder vision that includes public investment. Six years ago, when I ran for mayor, we saw the homeless problem was going to get worse. State budget cuts, soft economy, high cost of living, all a bad recipe, not surprising to anyone. To that end, I just spent five years in an office that looks out over Fifth Avenue. Every week for five years, I have seen this problem get worse. Every week for five years, I have heard the complaints and the concerns of downtown business owners, neighbors, and customers. In January of this year, my agency removed over 400 homeless people from the stairwells in the JCPenney garage in one week. After five years, I could tell you stories that would make you lose faith in humanity. Now, Today, our incoming mayor has stepped to the middle. He has now recognized that these problems are far more complex and will not get solved without government investment. While the ultimate approach remains to be seen, the ultimate product, the ultimate finished product remains to be seen. Ladies and gentlemen, as I said, you cannot unring the bell. Mayor-elect Bronson has agreed that the homeless problem in Anchorage will not get any better without a more coordinated approach powered by government investment. That represents a huge shift in his ideology and is one that should be recognized and welcomed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is the music and you know what that means. Before we sign off, I want to give a shout out to a dear old friend who left me the sweetest voice message today. Susan Jensen, if you're out there, Van and I send our highest regards. All right, Van, throw us your website details. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O, B-R-A-N-D.com. You can see a little bit more about what I do and uh, touch base with me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time, and we thank you for yours.